1 Samuel chapter 3 is where I need you to get tonight for the message that I believe God has for me to share with you over the next few moments. And while you're flipping there, I'll just give you a little backstory of how I got to this point to share this message with you tonight. Now, D-Now is fast approaching. It's this weekend, and it's a busy time for me and Brother Matt and a lot of things that require our attention to get ready for that weekend. There's a lot that goes into it. And so the temptation is to become distracted and to not have as much time to prepare sermon-wise for you guys on Wednesday. So we kind of came up with this idea that we would ask Clay Tankersley, the guy that's going to be here leading you college guys over the weekend, to come and share a word with you guys this Wednesday. And so we asked Clay about it, and we're, we're waiting around, we're waiting around to hear back from him. Usually by Tuesday, my message is pretty much done. It's just a matter of putting it all together and tying the bow around it and bringing it to you guys on Wednesday, so we get in touch with Clay, and we ask him to find out if he can maybe come share a word uh, with our youth, and then with you guys after that, and he finally gets back to us at 3.30 on Tuesday afternoon, he says, man, I'm just not going to be able to do it, so I'm like, well, that's great, so now I have basically the rest of Tuesday afternoon, and we helped out with the Night of Champions with Matt Daniels, so my night was committed to that already, and I wasn't going to pull out of that commitment, so I'm like, well, okay, God. Don't know exactly what kind of rabbit we're going to pull out of the hat for this week, but it's going to have to get pulled out of there in a hurry. And so I began to just pray and ask God to give me a, a word for tonight. And just to give you a little teaser about what D-Now is going to be, Andy with his church usually continues in D-Now what he's been speaking to his church about, which has been the power of the tongue here recently and, and the use of our words. And so my mind went back to kids camp this year where our theme was the power of words. So those of you that were at kids camp, this message might sound a little bit familiar to you, but I will say it's been tweaked quite a bit, so open up your hearts to receive it again because that's the cool thing about God's word. It's living and active. So that means I can go back through a passage and open it up again, and God can show me a new and fresh word from it that I didn't receive the first time I walked through it. So I'm telling you guys, He's got something for us tonight, and it's going to be a great opportunity for us to prep our hearts headed into this weekend and what I think God has for us through that. Our, our, our words, they're powerful things. Would we agree with that? True statement, our words are powerful things. They have the potential to build up. They also have the potential to tear down. They can be nice or they can be mean. They can be encouraging or they can be discouraging. Our words can hurt or they can help heal. I, I can remember words both good and bad, that were spoken to me when I was just a kid. I'll give you an example. When I was in third grade, I had to start wearing glasses. Where are my glasses people at? Contacts. I mean, you just have to have some kind of, some kind of vision aid because your eyesight is just terrible. When I, that was third grade for me when I had to start wearing glasses. And can I just say, third grade is a bad time in life to start wearing glasses because you know what happened after I went and got my glasses and I walked into the classroom the next day? You know what my new nickname was? Four eyes, there he is, look at the nerd, look at the little dweeb with his glasses on, and, and you know, I think third grade around that time is when you really just start to become mean as a person, because you enter into that stage of life that we all struggle with for the rest of our lives moving forward for the most part, to where I begin pointing out other people's flaws so I feel better about my own. And so those words I can still remember. I'm 29 years old now. And I can remember being in third grade and hearing people call me four eyes. And so, you know, I had to come up with a comeback. 
because I wasn't just going to let that fly, right? He's not just going to get to call me four eyes and, and get away with it. So I came up with this snippy but kind of cheesy, I guess, comeback. So my response would always be, well, you know, last time I checked, four eyes were better than two. So <laughs> kind of hit him with that. I know it's, it's terrible, but come on, I was a third grader. It's the best I could do. In the moment. But I can remember those bad words because they had an impact on my life. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you're carrying around baggage from words that were spoken to you years ago. Words are a powerful thing. There are people that develop eating disorders just because of words. There are people that struggle to this day with clinical depression just because of words. I can remember the bad words that were spoken to me, but I can also remember the good I can remember the encouraging words that I received from my parents as a kid when I made good grades. I can remember the encouraging words that they gave me when they came to one of my ball games and I did good. Uh, I got encouraging words from that. I also got some discouraging words from my dad when I didn't do so good. Like, why do you keep walking so many people? And I'm like, come on, Dad. Like, I just learned to pitch yesterday. Give me a break. But I can remember the good I, and I can remember the bad. So our words can obviously be very powerful things, but what I want us to focus on tonight isn't necessarily our words, but God's words. Everybody say God's words. His words are more powerful than any other words that have been spoken, that are spoken, or ever will be spoken. When God spoke, just by the word of his mouth, all creation came into existence. Universes were born just by his words. When God speaks, it causes storms to rage. But all he has to do is speak the word again, and the storm will cease. When God speaks, the dead can come to life. When God speaks, the sick can be healed. When God speaks, the deaf can hear, and the blind can see, and the lame can walk. All just by the word of his mouth. His words are more powerful than any words that have ever been spoken over this earth. When he speaks, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's powerful. But one thing I want you to understand is that God doesn't just speak generally. God speaks specifically. It's not just general words that he speaks. It's specific words that he speaks as well. So I want us to check out this passage where God spoke specifically to a boy named Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3. But I want to set this up for you in context before we read the text. And I want you to understand something from the get-go that Samuel was a miracle. His mom was named Hannah. And Hannah was unable to have children. She was barren. She was the four eyes of her time, basically. It was a shameful thing in those days for women not to be able to bear children because it was a lot of pressure on them to, to bear a child, specifically a son, so that he could carry on the family name. So to not be able to bear a child was kind of a humiliating and embarrassing thing in those times, and women would be made fun of and ostracized if they weren't able to bear children. So Hannah, one day, she walks into the temple of God and she hits her knees and she begins crying out and asking God to give her a son. God, please give me a son. I so desperately want a son. And here's the promise that she made with God. God, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to your service for the rest of his life. I promise you, he will be yours. I won't keep him for myself. I won't be selfish with his life. He will be yours for as long as he walks on the face of this earth. I just want a child. And God heard Hannah's prayers. And he actually blessed her with a son whose name was Samuel. Aren't you thankful for a God that hears prayers when we cry out to him? And he blessed Hannah with a son, and she named him Samuel. And after Samuel was born, she took him to the temple, and she found Eli, the high priest that was serving at that time. And when Samuel was just a small boy, I'm talking maybe just a couple years old, she walks up to Eli, and she hands Eli her son Samuel, and she says, Here, 
This is my son of promise. I'm giving him in dedication to the Lord's service. Teach him, train him, raise him to fear the Lord and to walk in his ways. So Samuel was a miracle. And listen to me. Samuel was a miracle, not a mistake. I don't know what kind of background all of you guys come from. I know a lot of you uh, in a real deep way in this room, but some of you not so much. And even those that I do know in a deep and intimate way, I'm sure there are things in your life that I'm not aware of. I don't know what kind of background you all come from. I don't know what kind of family life you might experience. But can I tell you tonight that you're a miracle of God and not a mistake of someone's choices? It doesn't matter what you've been told. It doesn't matter if your parents have made you feel like you're a mistake. You're not a mistake. You're a miracle of God. And that means a lot of things. It means that he has a plan. It means that he has a purpose for your life just like he does with Samuel. Samuel wasn't a mistake. He was a miracle. And God was going to use his life in a mighty way. So check it out. First Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. The text says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. My subject for this message tonight is simple. It's when God speaks to you. And I'm a visual kind of guy, hence the visual aid we have here tonight, and, and I've told you guys time and time again, one of the most effective ways I feel like to understand the context and interpret the scripture is to put yourself in the story with it. So just imagine this scene with me for a little bit. Samuel's a, a young boy at this time, and he's at the temple, and he's been working, and it's the end of the day, and so he lies down, and he's, he's going to sleep for the night, and, and you know how it is when you first lay down, unless you're just one of those people at the moment. You lie down, you're like out instantly. Most of us, when we lay down, there's a few moments where we're not quite asleep, but we're not fully awake either. Y'all feel me? Y'all get to that point? And every now and then, you might feel like you hear something. And you're not real sure because you're not fully awake, you're not fully asleep, and you're like, what was that? I don't guess it really matters because I'm tired, I'm not going to get up and check it out anyway, so whatever. You lie back down. And I feel like Samuel was at that point, and all of a sudden the voice of God rings out, Samuel. And Samuel sits up and he runs to find Eli, and he says, yeah, here I am. You called me? And Eli looks at Samuel, he's probably like, and he tells him, no, I didn't, I didn't call you, 
Samuel, go, go lay back down. Must be hearing things. Samuel walks back to the bed and sits down. He's like, man, it's just strange. You know, I feel like I heard somebody say my name. Whatever. So Samuel lays back down. And he probably gets back to that same point again, right, where you're not fully awake, but you're not quite asleep yet either. And about the time he's going to doze off again, God speaks out again, Samuel! And he jumps up and he runs back. Yeah, Eli, what's up? You called me? And once again, Eli's like, no, Samuel, I didn't call you, dude. Go back and lay down again. And Samuel walks back to the bed and he's like, didn't call me. Eli playing jokes on me. I know I heard somebody call my name that time. Whatever. He lays back down again and gets to that same point where he's about to doze off once more. And for a third time, God calls his name Samuel. And he jumps up and I get as fast as he can run. He's like, what, Eli? You called me. And then Eli, the text tells us, perceived that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he tells him, Samuel, go back and lie down. And if he calls again, here's what I want you to say. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Samuel goes back and he lies down and eventually God would call him for a fourth time. But there's a couple of things that I want us to understand together as a group tonight about when God speaks to you. And the first one is when God speaks to you, it's personal. Everybody say it's personal. It's personal when God speaks to you. God was calling Samuel by name. Did you hear me? God was calling Samuel by name. He wasn't just saying, hey boy, hey son, yeah, get up. He was calling him by name, Samuel, Samuel. It was a personal calling. He knew him by name. Guess what? God knows every person sitting in this room tonight by name. Why? Because he is a personal God. I don't know every single person sitting in here by name. And if I don't know you by name, what kind of a relationship do I actually have with you? Not one at all. But God knew Samuel. He called him by name. He knows each and every one of you sitting here tonight by name because he is a personal God. But here's an important question for us to ask ourselves. If God knows us, do we know him? The Bible tells us, interestingly enough, that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. I found that interesting. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. We're talking about a kid that has been literally born and raised in church. Just imagine when you were like two or three years old, your parents bringing you up here to the church and handing you to Pastor Doug and saying, here you go, good luck. And you spend your whole life literally raised in church. Some of you have literally spent your whole life raised in church. And here's the deal, you know about God. Samuel knew about God. He had heard Eli teach about God. No doubt he had read the Torah. No doubt he had heard about Moses and how God used him to lead the Egyptians or to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. He knew all those stories. He knew about how God worked and about the promises that he had made to his people. He knew about God. But the text tells us that he didn't yet know God. 
Some of you spent your whole life in church, maybe, knowing about God, singing the songs, saying the prayers, memorizing the verses, being a part of the services. But you don't know the Lord on a personal level. You don't have that relationship. When God began to call Samuel by name, it was because he was pursuing a relationship with him. That's why he was calling out to him. He wanted Samuel to know that he loved him. He wanted Samuel to know that he wanted him to know him on a deeper, more intimate way than Samuel had ever known before in his entire life. And I hope you notice one common factor in this. It's God that's taking the first step towards Samuel every time. It wasn't Samuel calling out to God. It was God calling out to Samuel. And so it is with us. When God pursues a relationship with us, it's Him taking that first step of love. It's Him calling you by name, not you calling out to God. Because that's where sin messed all this up for us. The Bible is clear that the only way that we can experience a personal relationship with God is by placing our faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All of us have sinned. God, before the foundation of the world was laying, had a plan to have a relationship with you. But when sin entered into this earth, it fractured that relationship. And the Bible is very clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of our sin is what? It's death. So we're separated from God because of that sin that we have in our lives. And there's nothing that we can do to piece back together that relationship that we fractured. So God, in His great love for us, took the initiative. He took the first step in restoring that relationship. And He sent His Son, Jesus, to this earth to live a perfect sinless life, die on a nasty, rugged cross so that we could one day profess Him as our Lord and Savior and His blood would wash over our lives and take away our sins and we could have a right relationship once again with Him that is personal and intimate and goes deeper than anything you could ever imagine. How many people we got in here that are redeemed tonight that are thankful for it? Anybody? When God speaks, it's personal. And He calls us to relationship with Him. And there are some people in here tonight, maybe, just maybe, there's a few in here tonight, that you know about God, but you don't know God personally. And the only way that changes is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But there are a lot of us here tonight that have this relationship already. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you heard the voice of God? When was the last time you heard the voice of God in your life? If you look back in verse 1 in chapter 3, we find something interesting there. The text tells us that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was rare in those days? What's up with that? Why was it a rare thing to hear God speak in those times. Nowadays we have the indwelling Holy Spirit and God speaks to us through His Word. But in these times God would have open conversations with people. He would call out to them audibly like He did with Samuel. Samuel! That was a common thing back in those times. But here when we get to First Samuel we see that it's a rare thing now. Well why was it such a rare thing to hear God speak? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it was rare. And it was because no one cared to listen. And no one cared to obey. During Eli's time as high priest, 
He had two wicked sons that he also put in the priesthood to minister. And they did some nasty, awful stuff. Go back in 1 Samuel and read it and study it for yourself sometime. Wicked, evil, nasty stuff that Eli himself knew about but did nothing to stop. And time and time again, God would speak into their lives, but they wouldn't listen and they didn't care to obey. Listen to me. God will not continue to speak to servants who don't care to listen. I'll say it again. God will not continue to speak to servants who don't care to listen. They didn't care to listen. They didn't care about what God had to say. And I'll tack this onto that as well. A God who is sovereign doesn't speak in suggestions. The problem with the men of God and the women of God in this day was that God would speak a word into their lives and their response was, well, we'll think about it. Well, give me a few days, God, I'll get back to you on that. Sounds like a pretty good idea, but let's, uh, we're going to get the committee together. We're going to have a leadership meeting. We're going to have a planning session, and uh, we'll get back to you on it and see if we can maybe come up with something a, a little more proactive in the meantime. Thanks for the suggestion, God. We'll get back with you. A sovereign God does not speak in suggestions. A sovereign God gives commands, and they're to be followed. They're to be heeded. They're to be listened to. They're to be obeyed. If you can't remember the last time you heard the voice of God in your life, maybe it's because He's actually no longer speaking because for so long now you've decided you're going to stop listening. What we need are servants with an attentive ear. And the reason for that is is so that we can stop missing out on what God desires to speak into our lives. So many people, I'm telling you, the million-dollar question in the life of a Christian is, well, I just want to know what God's will for my life is. What's God's will for my life? What's His plan, man? What's His purpose? I want to know what, I, what He wants me to be doing with my life. But as he speaks, we might consider it as just a suggestion instead of a command to follow because it doesn't fit the mold that we had already preconceived in our minds for how we wanted to live our life. And so in the meantime, we actually stop listening so we no longer hear. Stop missing out on what God desires to speak into your life because you yourself are choosing not to listen. Because the next thing that we see is that when God speaks to you, it's purposeful. Everybody say it's purposeful. When God speaks, there's always a purpose behind his words. Always. I grew up playing Dixie Youth Baseball right down the road here at Underwood Youth Complex. And when I was like eight years old, I played for the Dodgers. And we had a good team. But on this team, we had a kid named Dennis. And for lack of a better description, Dennis just never shut up. And I'm not kidding. Like, the kid never stopped talking. It was constant. Like, just, yeah, 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 constantly, constantly, constantly talking. Anybody got friends like that that just, they just talk constantly? Is anybody actually that person and you care to admit it? I mean, it is what it is. Dennis never stopped talking. Like, I mean, it was, 
It would drive you crazy. We'd tell him to go play right field. Hey, Dennis, go play right field. He'd be like, all right. I'd be standing at shortstop, look out in right field. Dennis is still talking, man. Like, never missed a beat. I don't know who he was talking to out there. If he's talking to himself, if he's talking to the dandelion, if he's talking to the fans standing right field, I have no idea. But he was talking. Dennis would go to the plate to hit and would still be talking in the batter's box. Like, I don't, I may, maybe it was a pretty good method because it, like, freaked the pitcher out. And he's like, what in the world is this kid saying? Like, I mean, it's nonstop. He was constantly running his mouth. But the trouble is, when we never stop talking, Sooner or later, we're going to run out of things to say. And once you begin to run out of things to say, your words begin to lose weight little by little. Until sooner or later, the things that you're saying actually have no purpose behind them whatsoever. And once they stop having purpose, people stop listening. But when God speaks, I can promise you that there is always a purpose behind his words when he spoke to Samuel there was purpose in his words he wasn't just calling Samuel to know him he was calling Samuel to serve him it's twofold God doesn't call you into his kingdom so that you can sit in his kingdom God calls you into his kingdom so you can serve in his kingdom and, and so you check, check it out like this is one of the coolest parts to me of this entire story when God spoke this into Samuel's life he was anywhere from the age of 10 to 12 years old. 10 to 12 years old. And God is speaking this kind of purpose, this kind of plan into his life. Man, I wonder how many years we waste on living out God's purpose for our lives because we just aren't listening. 10 to 12 years old. God is speaking this kind of purpose into his life. Listen, you're never too young to be used by God in a mighty way. Never too young. Never too young. Regardless of what kind of circumstances you might be facing, God's purpose for you persists. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're currently in. I don't care what kind of past mistakes you have made. I don't care what kind of past failures you have in your life. I don't care what kind of inconsistencies that you struggle with. A lot of us sitting in here tonight, we feel like we have zero potential. If we're just being honest, we would have to admit, I feel like I have zero potential to do anything great for the kingdom of God because of this and because of this and because of this, because of this mistake, because of this circumstance, because of this season in my life. I have zero potential to do anything great for the kingdom of God. But listen to me. Your potential doesn't determine your purpose. And I know that because my God says to me in Ephesians that He can do immeasurably and abundantly more than anything I could ever ask or imagine. Listen to me. His purpose exceeds your potential. Are y'all getting this? His purpose exceeds your potential. So don't tell me I got zero potential. Don't tell me I feel like I can't do this thing for the kingdom of God. It's not about that. Your potential doesn't determine your purpose. God already has the purpose laid out. And here's the thing. When you submit and you surrender to it, and you live out the purpose that He has for you, He will actually increase your potential to the level of the purpose that He has for you. Hmm. Like we're sleeping a little bit. I don't know what it is. Y'all, do we need to stand up? Shake it out a little bit? We good? We good? 
God speaking. Are you listening? God's purpose for Samuel, get this. God's purpose for Samuel was for him to be a prophet. You know what a prophet does? A prophet speaks the words of God. That was his purpose. Samuel's main tool for pointing people to God, you know what it was? His mouth. His words. Do your words point people to God? Or do your words turn people from God? I want to go back to my buddy Dennis for a second. I told you Dennis talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. Until it got to the point where he would be talking but nobody would actually be listening. Why? Because we found out that his words actually didn't have any impact. They weren't changing anybody. He wasn't saying anything deep or profound. His words had no purpose behind them. And I know I'm being kind of hard on eight-year-old Dennis. Like, what, what kind of eight-year-old Trey is running around the ball field speaking like prophetic words over people? Nobody. But here's the point. I feel like as believers, one of our greatest struggles is our words. Because we spend so much time talking about things that don't actually have any impact or purpose, that when we actually do try to speak something that is purposeful into somebody's life, they've already stopped listening at that point. And we wonder why sometimes we're ineffective. We wonder why sometimes our testimony seems powerless. And just maybe it's because we spent so much time with that person that we're trying to witness to, talking about things that don't matter, talking about things that have no purpose, that have no eternal impact, and when we finally actually try to do speak that into their lives, they've already stopped listening a long time ago. God had a purpose for Samuel's life, and it was for him to speak the words of God, and his purpose is the same for each and every one of us. It's to speak his words. It's to point people to him, not turn people from him. When God speaks, it's purposeful. But here's the deal. Like Samuel... We must respond. When God speaks, it always requires and demands a response. Even if you know it's going to be difficult. Even if you know it's going to be difficult. It's not easy to follow Christ. It's not easy to respond to that personal calling. It's not easy to respond sometimes to his purpose for your life because you know it's going to be difficult but Samuel understood that because the first job that God had for him as his prophet was to turn around and go pronounce God's judgment on Eli and his two brothers these are the people that he was born and raised with this is the guy that had poured into his life this is the guy that had had raised him inside the church and the first job that God had for Samuel was to go to Eli and tell him that God's judgment is coming upon you because you turned your back to the sin of your sons you think that's easy You think that was an easy thing for Samuel to respond to and be obedient in? Absolutely not. But when God speaks, it requires a response for us. When Samuel went back and laid down on the bed, after the third time that God had called to him, and I don't know if you noticed or not, but every time that God called out to Samuel, each time the intensity increased. So by the final time that God called out to Samuel, he didn't just say his name once. He called out to him twice. 
Samuel, Samuel. God will pursue you with a ferocious and tenacious love because he wants you to step into the purpose that he has for your life. And he calls that to Samuel twice. And this time Samuel sits up. Here I am. Speak for your servant hears. Let me ask you guys something. What's your response going to be? What's your response going to be when God calls your name? Whether that be a call into salvation, or whether it be a call to step into a purpose, what's your response going to be? My prayer is that for each and every one of us, it'll be here I am. Speak. For your servant hears. We've got an opportunity this weekend coming up with D-Now to really, really hear the voice of God in our lives. But my question is, are we going to step into that weekend ready to listen? And even beyond that, are we going to walk into this place each and every week ready to listen? And even beyond that, are we going to wake up each and every morning ready to listen? It's our choice, and it requires a response. What's yours going to be?